0: Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids.
1: Yeah, you hear about it, but it's just awesome to be part of it now. Um, just everything it's, its true. I mean, the workouts, the nutrition,
2: the food, everything here is just top of the line. I, I know that offensive line was always the group that you're like, nope, they are supposed to be together. They are, and they, they are. They work as one, and I think over the years there were a couple of veteran players that really solidified that and pushed it, and I just think it's carried on. And so it, it's great to see those guys working together and kind of spending that time.
0: This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast pre-draft episode. We have one week as we record this today on Thursday, April 20th. We have one week away from the NFL draft.
2: Tick, 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 tick,
0: tick, tick. That's Jay Nelson. Eric Davidson's also here in the TCO radio studios. We are without Gabe this week. Uh, He'll be back next week for all of the fun draft coverage. But uh, again, fun draft coverage. I feel like I blinked and... Here it is. Yeah. Knock, knock.
2: It's great. The draft is always one of my favorite times purely because it really is the unofficial official. We always talk about the unofficial kickoff during free agency and everything. The draft is the analogy of opening uh, presents on Christmas Day. It's kind of like you don't know what you're fully going to get. And that's
0: a good analogy. Everyone
2: finally gets to start looking at the promise of new talent, people that they've paid attention to that are big college football fans. And even then on the pro side, you're starting to realize, you know, here's some of the different holes that everyone says we need to fill. They're making moves. They're trying to get better at certain positions. And you're hoping that, you know, the people that you're adding to this roster are going to be contributors, hopefully, as soon as possible.
0: As soon as possible. The way that they've. Uh, The front office has approached free agency. I believe they're looking for those types of players who need to make immediate impacts. I think with between the salary cap and the the guys that they've either released or, or brought back and vice versa, you know, I think I think definitely I think this is where they're looking for those people to make. To make immediate impacts, and and a lot of times I think a lot of draft experts look at rounds one, maybe rounds two, kind of fringe round three for those guys. Yeah. However, the Vikings only have two picks in those first three rounds. Yeah.
2: And, and and that's the thing you think about. Oh, we we lost the second round pick, but that was for T.J. Hawkinson. Worth it. Yeah. So if you can, it, it's the the thought process would be: Is T.J. Hawkinson worth a second round pick in this draft? I think everyone, given his production he's had so far, would and say yes. And
0: it's proven talent, exactly. as opposed to even if you draft the guy in the second round, will it pay off? This is proven talent.
2: Which is why some teams have the the mo of we're not. We don't even care if we have first or second round picks. We're going to trade them for proven talent. The difference is then you got to pay them on the back end because they're proven talent. So I I think um, as the front office, whether it's Kwesi and Coach and everybody else, scouting department, you know, there has been the change last season. You saw some of the moves that had happened. They, they drafted eight players last year. Um, you know, the younger guys that some of them did play and some of them had injuries or whatever. I think they're relying on the thought that those guys will contribute this year. True. This is year two of kind of changing over the roster to fit what they want to do. Yeah. And um, the draft is a huge component of that. So I, I will be curious to see what's going to happen with the first round pick. What's going to happen with the third round pick I mean, because of how important of that course. third round pick is going to be at this point.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if there's another pick mashed in between there. I feel like there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of wheeling and dealing. I think I would be more surprised if we stay at 23 and we stay with our five picks than I would be if Kwesi puts players on the table for trading, if he trades out of round one or up in round one. Like, I... Would be more surprised if we were if we just stayed.
2: Well, we saw last year he was willing to make those kind of deals even exactly. within the with within the division with you know a couple of teams. Yeah. So it, it, he's not uh, risk averse there, and no. that's something that he's always talked about as well as. If you're risk averse, then you're missing opportunities, it feels like. And I feel like those guys have been able to go through and just kind of calculate as much as they can. And this whole thing is a moving organism on draft weekend, you know, pick by pick. You don't know what other teams are typically doing. You might get inklings as to, oh, because you might be within a trade deal. And some they're like, well, we're leveraging you guys against this other team. You know, who's going to make the move and who's going to give us the best deal? Um, And sometimes they have a deal and sometimes they don't. And. I think for, for them, the idea is just to be as sound as possible with their evaluations, setting up their draft board from top to bottom so that they feel like they have an accurate description of if we get into a decision-making point, do we take player A or player B you know, who's going to possibly fall. And they're trying to anticipate that as much as possible. I mean, everyone who does fantasy football loves the idea of doing their own mock drafts. Imagine being in that draft <sighs> room and having to do all those scenarios. So for so that's the thing. For them, it's almost second nature, and you're just kind of reacting to what's happening I hope it's nationally. second
0: nature. I mean, I tell you what, I was trying to think the other day about something that I can compare what – Maybe maybe like what us normal people go through. Like, is there anything in life where you're having to do that much research on the front end, making split-second decisions that decide the fate of your career? Like, all of that is just – it's very overwhelming. And I know, like, when you're in the year, you start to, like, really understand it and you kind of get into it and stuff. But I I think I'd melt. I think I'd absolutely melt under pressure.
2: I think – this is where Quasi's background yeah. doing, you know, stocks and everything else sure. and the analytics side of that, that piece, that is the closest thing I can think of if you're doing day trading or whatever. And it's your money. It's not like uh uh funds and mutual funds and stuff like that. You're dealing with other people's money. If you are doing stuff with your money, you're literally <laughs> watching it, you're trying to anticipate, you're trying to do your research, you're trying to figure out where's an opportunity here, is this gonna work? Is it not? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, I think when it comes to the draft, it's just as high profile as it is. And I think you have, uh, you know, millions of armchair quarterbacks who always think they could do better. Um, But hopefully when it comes to the process and the group that we have, I think there's a ton of trust within this building that, you know, that is their life. They've been dealing with this stuff basically since July or the year before, the year before that, trying to identify a year, two year, three years down the line whose potential draft. Uh, picks that that are going to be uh, somebody that would be available for the Vikings when they get their opportunity. So picking at twenty three, it's a little different. Yeah, because you know,
0: they they say well the impact players usually like up to like pick thirteen, fourteen. It's like kind of like the sweet spot, the immediate playmakers.
2: But but the thing about it is being in that twenty three, even think about draft weekend and you have your Kuipers and McShays and everybody else who has gone through all their mock drafts and yeah. everything. Everyone's like, they're the experts, they know everything, they they know what's going to happen, and they're constantly putting out these mock drafts, and here's your three-round mock draft. If they get half of the picks correct in the first <laughs> round, they're seen as geniuses. So yeah. that's how dynamic and crazy this whole thing is, and I just anticipate... Um, there being a ton of trades that, that has become more the norm the last few seasons. For sure. And I just feel like there's gonna be so many trades across the league, especially you can't predict that. especially if you see those quarterbacks either going super early or some start to fall, then there's gonna be a rush on corners, there's gonna be a rush on DNs. And and something that always happens, whether it's a, a lineman group, a wide receiver group, a cornerback group, as soon as other teams start to see the top candidates they thought sliding, going, all of a sudden everyone's like, we got to get our wide receiver because oh, sure. we're going to lose out on them. That kind of stuff happens all the time. So I, I, when it comes to the draft, that's the fun part for me is to see all of a sudden one goes and then you see a second one and then maybe somebody else goes and a third one goes and you're like, oh, here comes the run on X yeah. position. That's what's fun for me is just watching the psychology sure. of the draft. Uh, as I do love that weekend. it's like
0: the ultimate surprise. Yeah. For most people, for most people, it's the ultimate surprise. Like you're like, oh my gosh, who are they going to pick?
2: Well, even think about you know the, the footage that. that came out a couple of years ago when Justin Jefferson got picked. Yeah. You know, Philly goes after Jalen Rager, and we all you know they had assumed that Justin Jefferson was, was going to go. go. Yeah. And then when he was there, they were like, "Holy smokes!" You know, we didn't think this was going to happen. And right. they're the draft experts. So yeah, there's just craziness that happens. The Raiders were always a team that would always reach for somebody, and you're like, "Wait, they're they're." Doing a kicker in the first round, and then come to find out he's a Hall of Fame kicker. But <laughs> those kind of moments that there's a lot of teams that, and a lot of fans that are always raising eyebrows going, Holy cow, I can't believe this happened.
0: For sure. And of course, the first round of the draft kicks off on Thursday night, April 27th, and you can attend with all of your Vikings fans. We're having the draft party. It's making its return to US Bank Stadium. There are still general admission tickets available. That's Thursday night at seven is yep. when the draft starts, but I'm sure you can get there a little early.
2: I believe doors are going to be at either five or five thirty. So go. just double check the website. If you've and we'll missed you all sure. of your
0: friends, all of your close I guess people maybe you sat next to in the stadium and all of your all of your friends locally and all that stuff, you need to you definitely want to check that out. Because I think there may be some player appearances. Yep. KFAN will be broadcasting from there. They'll be playing the draft on all the video boards.
2: Yep, and you can run around the the, the field. There's going to be uh, Skull Line and cheerleaders. Yep. There's going to be, I, I believe they're doing the... Um, some of the the uh, garage sale type thing where they've got some of the different stuff that helps benefit the children's fund. So there's going to be, you know, some gear and some different stuff that's going to be available. Um, yeah. You know, vendors, uh, DJ, there's just going to be a ton of stuff to do and just come hang out with, yeah. uh, you know, as as they have done in the past, the building that holds, what, 67,000 of your closest friends uh, come hang out on the field. Right, of,
0: not uh, your average Thursday night. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to that. I hope you guys go to the website and get your tickets again. Like I said, general mission tickets are still available and if you follow me on Twitter I will be giving away two tickets very 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 soon with some other goodies so just you know be on the lookout for that gotta do a shameless plug Uh, and then uh, Jay this week has been obviously very busy on top of the draft because we had players report for involuntary team activities team workouts and it's just been a nice little buzz like you you we're getting ready for the draft and it's still an empty building and now you're getting ready for the draft and there are several players who are here Reporting and doing workouts with the team in house, which I think is just speaks volumes to the coaching staff.
2: Yeah, this is the voluntary side of it, and you know the nice thing for those players is they're getting back into some of that routine. Did I say
0: involuntary? I did. Eric shaking his head. <laughs> I meant voluntary. That's totally true because there are people who aren't here.
2: You must be here. No, right? That I, sounded
0: like it. Yeah. So all of you looking at me, listening right now. Oh man, she's so stupid. No, nope, I corrected myself. I caught it. It's all good. I have like four brain cells right now, so that's also part of it.
2: There, The thing about the voluntary side of it, though, is it is always curious to see what veterans show up. I know that. Given you have, you know, new defensive coordinator in Flores, I'm sure there are different people that want to try to get in here and get acclimated not only to um, him and, you know, some of what that's going to entail. But I just think that there are a bunch of players that go all over not only the world, um, but kind of their locales and work out with each other in different spots. Um, But I think there is something to coming to the building Working with the training staff, working with the weight staff and doing the basics and just kind of flexing that muscle again, I think it's a good thing to get them back in the building and feel that buzz. I know over the years leading up to the draft, it was fun just having the guys back in the building because it is quiet, you know, for for a couple months. um, But once you start to see them coming back, you're like, yep, you know, we're getting back into that same seasonal annual routine and um, there there's some players that are here so there's some players that are not and um, just as you keep going month by month by month it just ramps up a little bit more every time
0: yeah most noticeably for me it's a lot of the younger guys a lot of the first second year players that we see walking around here and I've seen I think th- the entire offensive line room Now, I don't, I don't have that fully confirmed but I'm pretty sure I've seen every single guy from the offensive line here which I think is remarkable.
2: They are a ridiculously tight group yeah, and it's a lot of fun to see that. Um, I think it's a good thing I I know that offensive line was always the group that you're like nope they are supposed to be together. They are, and they, they are they work as one and I think over the years there were a couple of veteran players that really solidified that and pushed it and I just think it's carried on and so it it's great to see those guys working together and kind of spending that time. And and I think it'd be kind of fun, you know, think about if you were the guy who wasn't here. How yeah, much you're feeling a, FOMO. That, there'd be FOMO and how much <laughs> of a hard time you'd be getting from the other guys going, hey, where are you That's at? That's true. Yeah.
0: That's true. And that, that brings us to one of the guys that spoke this week, Garrett Bradbury. He obviously signed a new deal with the Vikings this offseason. And continuity such a huge thing to him. And that also kind of pushes that narrative as well I mean those are his guys and he he probably looked elsewhere but when it comes down to it that's this is where he wanted to be
2: yeah and he said O'Neal he was talking to O'Neal and O'Neal yeah. was trying to be as impartial as possible saying hey man we just want what's best for you but at the same point he's kind of poking him like come back to Minnesota, come back to Minnesota. And so for a guy like Garrett, um, it it did sound like, you know, he and his wife had talked about what was their best situation. And he just felt coming back to Minnesota was that and having that opportunity seemed very special to him. So, again, like we said, that group is super tight. And so it was great to hear Garrett um, be happy about his situation and and being able to come back here and, and put another season in with the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Yeah, good to see a lot of familiar faces, I think, speak this week. We saw K.J. Osborne, who's got a really awesome chance to try and work himself into wide receiver two role this year. Uh, Harrison Smith spoke, which I thought was hilarious because, you know, he addressed his uh, meme, he sent Chris (laughs) Thomason. I don't know if you guys know this, but he sent that Prince meme to Chris Thomason, he's asked, hey, man, are you re-signing? And Harrison was like, I mean, I don't even remember doing it, but I knew he would do something with it, and it definitely paid off.
2: Yeah, he said he, he basically <laughs> sent it to him and kind of said, well, let's see what CT does with this. Right. And so, of course, it went viral.
0: Now, it's on shirts. Yeah. The media made one for Harrison and white, and then- in-house media made one for Harrison in purple, so now he can <laughs> wear both of them. And I'm tempted to see if he wears it. I feel like he will.
2: I think he's the kind of guy that definitely will. He showed
0: up in his DePaula ba- uh, bagel and bagel shop shirt for mm-hmm. his presser, so I mean, yeah.
2: I wouldn't put it past him. Harrison's one of those guys that you know he is a long-term veteran here. He is somebody that gets it. Um He might not speak as often, but when he does, it's very thoughtful and calculated and he knows what he's doing and so to see the smirk on his face when that got brought up as a thing to talk about you just knew that that was something that he he has enjoyed kind of everything that's come from that too so Harrison is it's great to have him uh you know back here as one of the, the senior leaders at this point I mean
0: he's definitely one of I mean there's not there isn't too many guys with that much experience and like maybe half that yeah, that this it's going to be a young defense, so solidifying his spot was huge for a huge
2: retainer retainer
0: yeah. for Quacy and for Brian Flores because I know that that was a factor in Harrison wanting to stay as well.
2: Yeah, he said that he's kind of watched it from afar and always kind of wanted to learn from it, and so having that opportunity to learn from a guy like Flores and to kind it's of big. flex his muscles and figure something else new, I think you know when you're in a system for as long as he has been maybe things get a little stagnant if it's you know season after season of the same thing. You get comfortable, but then when you see something else that's kind of a shiny new toy that's available, I think for him it's even a challenge um, at this point in his career to be able to, to have that opportunity to work with the Brian Flores I think was really attractive. So it was great to hear him excited about that opportunity.
0: Yeah, there's also a couple of guys that recently signed with the team, a few off-season acquisitions that have been in the building. Byron Murphy has been here as well as Josh Oliver who is uh, joining TJ Hawkinson in that tight end room. And now he's going to be our guest and joining us here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And now for the first time, we are welcoming in Vikings tight end, Josh Oliver to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. You've been here in a short amount of time and you may have been the fastest we've ever gotten on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having (laughs) me.
0: (laughs) No, we're excited to have you. And uh, I know that the weather hasn't been too friendly for you, welcoming you here. Yeah. It's been it, kind of all over the place.
1: It was crazy. When I came in, it was 90 degrees. So, I was, uh-huh. yeah, it was warmer than California. So, I didn't yes. know what to expect. And then it turned to 34. I and then it, it snowed. Started snowing, yeah. You got that fall-spring going on. Yeah.
2: Right? It was uh-huh. kind of like, hey, this is what it's going to be in a couple months, but uh, we're going to have to get there for a little bit to make it normal.
0: This might be a silly question, but you you saw snow in Baltimore. Like, it was winter Maybe
1: Maybe two times okay. in, in the two years I was there. Yeah, so this is new to me.
0: Yeah, because being a California guy, you probably enjoy the heat.
1: Yeah, uh, I got used to it, but <laughs> something else to get used to.
0: Exactly. Well, and thinking of where you came from, you know, no knock on the other teams, but the NFLPA obviously voting the Vikings number one across the as like the number one spot players want to land right as far as like the facilities and stuff. What are your impressions of everything so far?
1: Yeah, you hear about it, but it's just awesome to be part of it now. Um, just everything, it's it's true. I mean, the workouts, the nutrition, the food, everything here is just
2: top of the line.
0: You feel pampered?
1: Yeah, definitely. definitely
2: <laughs> <no doubt. laughs> Yeah, Master Cesfatsian, uh who is a, a media personality, he was here for a while and, and he saw the old building. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved here and the first time he was here... His comment was, it's the Apple campus of the NFL. So, his, really kind of his is. joke was was just a, a, how much this has changed from what we used to have versus where we yeah. are now. It's, it's a awesome. really great facility. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm glad that you noticed the, the difference. I guess my question would be, if if you see a difference in, like, workouts or, like, the nutrition, like, what is that difference that makes the Vikings special?
1: They just cater to, like, everything you need. And it's, I mean, anything you ask for, and they go above and beyond. So, it's just really cool.
0: Anything no. in particular that helps you get ready for the season while you're this far out? I guess from training camp.
1: Um, just every like all the workouts, uh, nutrition side, just all the supplements and stuff they provide you with, and just anything you really need, they they
2: provide it. I That's mean, great. yeah. And so coming from Baltimore, you know, you're at a team, you're with like a, a Mark Andrews and, and some of the other guys there. It sounded like uh, from press conference and everything, you just talked about how much you had learned while you were in Baltimore mm. um, and having come from Jacksonville prior. Is there anything in particular that really stands out to you now that you've kind of separated from Baltimore that was a huge building block for you during your time there?
1: Yeah. Um. Nothing in particular. Uh, it, it was awesome just to be part with Mark and Nick Boyle and stuff. They took me under their wing and kind of showed me the ropes. And now I'm working with another great tight end, TJ Hawkinson
2: and stuff. So it's just awesome to be
1: a part of both sides.
2: I know that Greg Roman was an advocate for you after you had you know earned your job and everything and just kind of said, you know, he's a guy that just flat out won a job. What is it about your kind of work ethic and learning style that really made you solidify your time there when you are in Baltimore?
1: Yeah, um, my first two years in Jacksonville, I went through a couple of things with injuries and stuff and not being able to play ball. So whenever I get the opportunity or just a chance to be on the field, I just I try my hardest. And when I'm in that weight room, I go my hardest. So, you know, I just never take a, a situation lightly, per se.
0: Have you always been like that? Like when you played... Sports as a kid and growing and growing up obviously in a very sports centric family with brothers like how how was that?
1: Yeah, I was always the youngest brother, so you know I always had to live live to my oldest brother's uh, you know step in their shoes and stuff when I came on the campus or. Came into high school and stuff, so it was tough, but, you know, it, it kind of put that chip on my shoulder, so.
2: Yeah, be, being an oldest brother, it's always the younger <laughs> brothers are always the ones that have to excel because they've yeah. either learned from what the older ones have done or they've had to run the gauntlet mm. of dealing with those brothers. And so, you know, for somebody like yourself to have seen that I'm sure that was a, a kind of a, a cheat code in order to help get where you were, but you still had to put in the work. Yeah, no doubt.
0: What, what's the most competitive, you remember your brothers and you being competitive about something that <laughs> wasn't sports?
2: Um, I,
1: we were competitive about everything. I mean, anytime we had an argument or something, we'd get the boxing gloves, go in the front yard and stuff. So it was, <laughs> it was always a moment going on in the Oliver household.
0: It's amazing. I'm sure yeah. your mom loved it. Yeah, she
2: did. Uh, yeah. She loved <laughs> well, that with Three that, boys. Yeah, that's like John Jones, you know, the UFC uh, light heavyweight champion. He's the youngest brother, and both of his brothers are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of looked at a guy like that and said, there's a reason he's the champ, because he's always cited, I had to deal with my two brothers, whether it was football or any other competitive things. And now he's like, I go to the UFC, and it's basically easy, because I had to deal with those two crazy guys. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: when um. Did you ever play baseball? I know that your dad played in the majors for a little bit. You have a cousin that played. Like, was it ever something that you liked to do?
1: Yeah, um, there was definitely, like, my second cousin, Darren Oliver, and then my first cousin, Bob Oliver. They were both in the majors for a long time. Darren Oliver played, like, 18 years, and then Bob Oliver played around, I think, 5 to 8, um, it was someone I watched playing, but the the sport of baseball is just a little too slow for me. I like basketball and football; those were my top two.
0: How did you make the decision between the two um,
1: to focus on? I got my first offer on football, and from there, I just kind of focused on football. Yeah.
0: What was the first offer? Do you remember?
1: Uh yeah, it was. I want to say either Air Force or Sac State.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, Very cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you you had commented on um, back on draft day that. You had basically three offers, and you chose San Jose State. Mm-hmm. Was there something about San Jose State that really stuck for you as this was the right decision?
1: Yeah, it, it was close to home, but far enough to where I could get away from my parents. So you know, that's was, my
0: answer every time someone asks me why I went to LSU. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You yeah. want to have an arm's distance length away. You yeah, love them, exactly,
1: uh, but you don't
0: want to be right next to him, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so it was it was an easy choice. I didn't have too many choices at the time. So
0: is that something that you are think about though, like not having? Those choices and, like, yeah. here you are now with a three-year deal in Minnesota?
1: Yeah, definitely added to the chip on my shoulder and stuff, just going throughout college and stuff, always being the underdog. I you know, it's so, something I pride myself on.
2: And that time at San, San Jose State, you know, it, it felt like you really were a big bigger part of that offense. You, you had some really good numbers when you were in San Jose State, get drafted by Jacksonville, and then when you were in Jacksonville, like you said, you had a couple of seasons that were kind of, you know, injury-laden at the time. Is it something when you— Reflect on that time at Jacksonville, you know, it, it was there was kind of the bright lights of I just got drafted in the third round And then was there a moment where you're like now? I'm in the NFL and now I got to go to work Is there anything that you saw as like a transition period from what was your draft experience like to now? You're in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean when you get drafted everybody's cheering everybody's uh, celebrating and then and then you get to training camp and it's just full go so um, definitely a learning curve and I had my uh, battles with injuries early on, and so it was, it was some stepping stones I had to go through. But, I mean, too much is given, much is tested. So. Sure, yeah.
0: So the NFL draft, obviously, is next week, and you were there, what, three, four years ago. So, mm-hmm. like, take us into the mindset of of a guy. Um, the Vikings have only one first-round pick, and then they have a third-round pick. You are a third-rounder. So when you watch all these guys get off the board and you're this kind of, like, you know, second-day guy, what's your mindset on that day?
1: Yeah, you're just, I mean, you're nervous, you don't know what's going on, your agent gives you a draft selection of like slots of where he thinks you're going to go and stuff, and Minnesota's actually one of them. I took a visit here back in 2019, I want to say, and uh, they were one of the teams that were on the board, too. Um, Ended up going to Jacksonville with the 69th pick, and... Everybody was elated, family was elated, I was yeah. just
2: excited to have the opportunity. Were you somebody that was doing something to kind of get the nervous energy out on draft day? Like, some guys will do the, I'm going fishing, I'm going to go <laughs> hang out with you know with some friends or something. Were you doing anything on draft day, or was it something you were watching the TV just trying to see what was going to happen?
1: Yeah, I was watching the TV, I don't know, suppressing myself in my room, <laughs> and just staring at the wall, but... uh no, I was just nervous. No.
0: Man, I thought you would be out in the front yard boxing your brothers. <laughs> yeah. I think you know, I they were there too. Yeah, <laughs> probably had a
1: couple arguments.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it really is an exciting time, and, you know. And I, I've wanted to ask you this question specifically because I like to ask tight ends this question because, you know, when you start out at college, you the game has really evolved, especially in the NFL, from like the the tight ends becoming more of a feature role mm-hmm. in the offense. How how would you say that the evolution of the tight end? has happened over the last, what, four or five seasons?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Titans are asked to do everything in the offense nowadays. They have to run, they have to to run fast, they have to block, they have to catch passes, they have to do it all, and they have to know it all. So it's a a lot to be uh, challenged with.
2: Yeah, you're basically having to learn two positions. You have to learn kind of all the receiving side of it. Mm. Then you also got to understand the entire offensive line concept. And that's got to be like, you know, drinking from a fire hose at times. <laughs> is there anything on your end when you're trying to study and to, to figure that stuff out that you found that has helped you over the over the years? Um, just just mastering the offense or trying to
1: um, as fast as you can.
2: Are you like a, a on-the-field kind of repetition type guy or are you somebody yeah. that's, that's, that's uh, a book learner? On repetition that stuff. is huge. Yeah, it helps.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got the book right in front of me. It's taking everything yeah. in my power not to go in there and kind of take some little snapshots. I uh, mean, when you opened it up, are you? what were your impressions, I guess, as opposed to what you've done in previous places?
1: Um, it's just exciting. Just all this different stuff they do in this offense and stuff and the things they ask for the tight ends to do. So I'm excited to be part of it and just... I'm just still very early on in my learning process, but I'm excited.
0: That's awesome. Is there, has there been a player or someone in the building who's just been extra welcoming to you that you've been like, okay, cool, like making me feel comfortable here?
1: Yeah, all the tight ends have been great. Uh, TJ, Johnny, Ben, and Nick, they've all been great just um, showing me the ropes
2: around here. Seeing as how you play the tight end position, is there somebody, like, historically that you've always admired or wanted to kind of model your game after?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, growing up in California and just um, g- uh, going to San Jose State, you always had Tony Gonzalez to look up to. He went to Cal. And Monster. My uh, One of my coaches, Dan Farino, he was a tight ends coach. He coached him before, so he'd always show me his footage and stuff. So, I mean... He's a great one to strive for. Yeah,
2: he did everything, and now he's kind of worked his way into some of the commentary booth and everything mm-hmm. like that. And like you said, it, it's probably a product of him having to learn everything about the offense in order to do yeah. that. He's just seemed like somebody who really did things the right way. I think he's a great guy to model your, your game after. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to end this on the most important question of the day. Has Snoop the Bernie Doodle arrived in Minnesota?
1: No, he will make he will make his appearance (laughs) shortly though. Okay, good. Yeah, May should be up here. He
0: he stays with you for most of most of the time, like most of the season. Yeah, he's with me
1: all the time. Um, I love it. Sometimes he'll go up to my mom's and hang out with their dogs, but he's with me full time.
0: Well, I will tell you this one thing I learned when I moved here to Minnesota is that they are a lot of doodles Uh in this city, and I feel like he'll fit in perfectly
1: yeah I think he's going to love the snow you know he gets warm fast so I think the snow will be perfect
0: it'll be perfect for him Mm. well we're excited to have you and Snoop here in Minnesota
1: yeah I'm excited for it thanks for having me on this podcast
0: hey thanks Josh appreciate it appreciate it thanks again to Josh Oliver the newest Minnesota Vikings tight end for joining us on the Vikings podcast Jay what a great guy yeah seems like he's you know he's here he's reporting he's in a room full of tight ends who are ready to go and I'm excited to see how Kevin O'Connell utilizes his elite blocking skills.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing. And I think a a guy like him, you you get known for doing specific things. And I think everyone says, well, we have other guys here that are pass catchers and he's an elite blocking guy. That's what he was good at, but that's not just what he is. I mean, we've had multiple guys throughout the years. The prototypical example is Jim Kleinsaucer, one of the old guys. But Jimmy was essentially an extra offensive lineman who then would run out and run routes and still could catch passes. Like having a guy that's dual threat like that, I think is even better for us because then everyone would assume he might do more of the blocking side. But when he does peel off into a route, then he's even more dangerous. So well,
0: when you think about his story and dealing with injuries early in his career and then being under Mark Andrews in Baltimore for a season, like this is a guy who really hasn't even scratched the surface on like his full potential in an offense. For sure. Um, I think back to a guy like Zadarius Smith, where he was behind, I think it was Suggs, in in Baltimore for a long time, if I'm not mistaken. But he was obviously behind someone who was very good, and then gets to Green Bay and has this breakout season because he's finally the guy. And I'm not saying he's going to, Josh is going to leap over TJ. TJ is the guy, and he probably knew that coming into this, that TJ is the, the target, but having another one and going two tight end sets is more possible now with someone with his skill set.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what the offensive side is looking at and saying that you have then dual threat tight ends that can make you pay in multiple ways, whether it is staying into block or running routes. And I think a guy like Josh, you know, one thing that's been proven is that he has earned his positions where he's been. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Baltimore, he was uh, listed as a bubble player coming out of camp. And as as we kind of say to – cited before Greg Roman basically flat out said this kid outworked everybody and realized just how how crowded that tight end room was and he, and he earned it and so seeing a guy that knows how to work has gone through adversity and is now getting his opportunity here with this organization feels like it seems like he's happy with what he's seen so far and the interactions he's had with the guys yeah. if you can get a guy like that he's happy and he's willing to work that's the perfect recipe for prototypical tight end in this league
0: I love it. Well, speaking of hard workers, someone in the Vikings organization recently retired. Dennis Ryan, longtime Vikings equipment manager, put nearly 50 years of his life into this organization. And now he has hung up the cleats, the helmet, the equipment, whatever you want to, what analogy uh, you want to say?
2: Towels. Yeah, whatever. All He of was in it. charge of it all. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I know I, you
0: can speak more on this. You've known Dennis for a very long time, Jay.
2: Dennis is the guy who basically he doesn't talk very much, but he just does it the right way. And he is the, to use the word again, prototypical guy of just how do you want to do your job? What is required of you? What is asked of you? he just put his head down and did it and here's the thing when you think about equipment manager you're like well how hard is it to give a guy a pair of cleats or how hard is it to do guys laundry
0: oh no it's you hard you guys
2: you do not understand <laughs> this um before, these guys
0: are here before anyone and they leave after everyone like
2: everyone would be saying I can't wait to go home and crawl on my bed after a game and they're going in on Sunday night middle of the night to start doing all of the, the laundry and getting everything ready to be set for, for Monday Monday, yeah. Monday. Mm-hmm. and and it's the same kind of thing I know in all sports that that equipment managers probably get overlooked a little bit and you just kind of figure, well, somebody does it and, you know, they're out there the next day for a game or the next week or whatever. But these are the unsung heroes and that's why Um, immediately when it was put out on Twitter, you saw guys like Randy Moss retweet and say, just tell me where the party is, because that's how much guys like Dennis Ryan mean to him. I know when he came back the second time, the first person he walked in the door and with a giant smile gave a hug to was Dennis Ryan. Dennis is the lifeblood that helped make this organization function on the football side, and that's why um, you have – Leadership in the front office, uh, talking so highly about him. Everyone on Twitter, the media, anyone that's interacted with this guy has has uh, positive things to say. And you know, as a guy who's been here for a while, and then you realize Dennis was here almost triple the amount of time that I've been here. It's insane. um, um, And seeing some of these guys that were here prior to me being here, and then having them as kind of my. I guess, tentpole people to kind of look up to and understand, you know, what does it really mean to work for this organization? What does it mean to be a professional and to have some of those people leaving? Some of us were talking, saying, yeah, you you just realized like we kind of took that for granted a little bit in this organization. Other places have had a lot of change over over the years. But a guy like Dennis Ryan was universally across the board between coaches and everyone um, just admired and loved, including uh, Pete Carroll, you know, had a yeah. message on Twitter as well. It's all across the league. Whenever you've left here, a guy like Dennis Ryan has been kind of one of your stalwarts. And so to see him leave is is bittersweet.
0: And there's a really great piece on Vikings.com profiling Dennis's career. And there will be an audio piece coming out soon down down the line that will be also highlighting – Everything that Dennis has done um, just to give a perspective and the honor and the due that he deserves. Yeah, for sure.
2: It's almost going to be pulling teeth because Dennis is not somebody who likes to sit yeah, behind so a microphone. We were
0: talking about getting him on the podcast and I was talking to someone who works in the equipment with him and he's like, you really are going to get Dennis for a podcast? <laughs> I don't know if he's going to talk. I was like, yeah, I think I think we're going to make it work. We'll make it work.
2: We've had him in the past for uh, different podcasts to talk about kind of the historical side and some of the more personal relationships. So to get a guy to Dennis like Dennis to open up for things like that is important. Um, And I just think it is important to give a guy like him his flowers and just to make him understand. I know he doesn't, he's not comfortable with having everybody heaping praise on him, but he absolutely deserves it.
0: I could not agree more. Again, be on the lookout for that podcast and you can go read the article online. And speaking of online, as we mentioned, it is draft week. So, of course, we're going to pub our draft content. Yep, We uh, have a lot going on. We're going to have exclusive one-on-ones throughout the weekend with Kwasi, KOC, and all of the draft picks that are, will be chosen throughout the weekend. Uh, rapid reactions from our local experts, the guys from KFAN, Ron Johnson, uh, Pete Bursich, all those guys, they'll be giving reactions to... Um, to the picks as well as the podcast. So we'll have an audio version of those as well throughout the weekend. And an exciting thing for us, I think it's a little bit something different that we're doing is on Friday, right before the draft, we'll be doing a live show following the press conference for the first round draft pick if we stay in the first round. Um, and so that show, no matter what we do, will be pre-draft on Friday, and so that should be a ton of fun too, and I hope you guys tune into that because that will be very Viking-centric coverage as opposed to if you tune into the networks and you see like the umbrella coverage.
2: Yeah, the ne- the kind of national perspective versus exactly. versus the local. Exactly. The draft has always been something that, like I said before, I get excited about, and part of that was because when I got hired here, it was one month before the draft started, and that was the Adrian Peterson draft, and so oh, wow. just the, the chaos and craziness of that always kind of kicked it off. Um, but because of that, one thing that we've always loved to do is provide the best coverage possible that the fans want to hear and see, and so to be able to do all these one-on-ones, the rapid reactions, the live yeah. broadcasts, and then the pods as well, it's so much fun because just you get feed the beast. Yeah. You react to what's already happened. And then it's the preview of what may happen. And and each day you're just kind of giving more and more information and trying to filter through everything that has happened, not only nationally, but locally. And and I, I hope the fans love it. They always seem to respond to it online. And that's why we do
0: it. We, we love doing it for the fans. Well, it's like the week before Christmas. Christmas morning is slowly approaching, I guess you could say, as the NFL Draft is just one week away from us recording this podcast. I'm going to go home and get some sleep because I have a feeling this week is going to be crazy.
2: I'm looking forward to my Christmas cookies coming in uh, (laughs) April.
0: There you go. Christmas in April. Love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will catch you talking about draft, our latest draft pick. That's so exciting. Next time you hear from us, we will have picked the first newest Minnesota Viking. That's crazy.
2: Looking forward to it and I cannot wait.